When I was in college, one night I was in my room and I heard a ruckus in our living room. And so naturally, me being wanting to be a part of the party and uh, just living with perpetual FOMO, I run to my living room to see what's going on. And, and what I found were kind of a, a group of dads kind of older gentlemen who had come to our house. And this was unusual because I lived in a shack. Um, Like most men in college, they live in, it was just atrocious. And dirty wouldn't even be appropriate. It would be like the house should have been torn down the entire time. And somebody still lives there today. In fact, you could live there. And uh, so it was weird that these gentlemen were there and they were kind of, you know, nicely dressed. And I kind of had this weird experience where I went down the line and I introduced myself to each of the dads. And as I introduced myself to one of them in particular, I had this kind of creepy moment uh, that you may have had before where you're meeting somebody that you already know everything about. You ever had that moment where you're like, I already know your name. I've stalked you on social media. I know everything about you. And some of you are like thinking like creepily about somebody that you like, some guy or girl. I'm talking about this was the kind of creepy like, hey, you're kind of famous. And I'm trying to do everything in my power not to show my absolute surprise that in front of me is this Baylor grad who I knew at the time was the congressman for South Carolina. And at that point in time when I was a student, he was leading the investigation on Benghazi. And he was in the news all the time. You know, he was being quoted, he was being interviewed, all these different things. And I find myself shaking the hand of a man by the name of Trey Gowdy. And I'm sitting there like, oh my gosh, this is awesome. And I already know who he, I'm like, I'm Dale. And he's like, I'm Trey. And I'm trying everything within me not to say I already knew that. And we're just having this conversation. And and so we're sitting down in the living room. And I start to kind of get frustrated with my roommates. Because one of my roommates, in particular, David Winston, we'll just pick on him for a second. He is like the most professional roommate ever. He dresses up for class. He's one of those guys. He's like, he thinks his professor is going to give him a job. I'm like, that's not going to happen. That's not the way that works. You don't have to dress up for your teachers. Um, and so, but David Winston is just this um, incredibly brilliant professional dude. And, and so he's in our house and I'm over here getting mad at my friend Winston because I'm like, Winston, you could have told me that the congressman from South Carolina, Trey Gowdy, was going to be here tonight. I would have, one, showered today, right? Two, I would have, like, not worn my best jorts today for our guest And three, like I would have tried to do something about this hair. Not that there's much I could have done, but I'm just saying like, Winston, what are you doing? And it was so funny to see his reaction to Congressman Gowdy and and my reaction. And and I'm like trying to be funny because at this point in my life, I wanted to be president of the United States. And uh, in fact, I probably still do, but that's fine. That's beside the point. I thought I was gonna go into politics. And so I'm there like trying to win him. And I'm trying to be funny. I'm like, could I help you? Could I get some soup for you? We have some ramen. I don't know. I'm like, and he's like, no. I'm like, okay, cool. Yeah, same. I don't want any either. Who needs soup? So we're kind of having these, but, but my roommate Winston, is, he's informed and he's savvy and he's, he's just like asking good questions where it's not creepy, but he's, he, he knows what's going on. And, and it's just so funny. The whole circumstance was amazing to see the way David Winston 
handled our guest and how I handled our guest. And so I just want to ask you a question tonight. First question of the night is, what would you do if you left here, you went home to your apartment, your dorm room, your house, you sat down on your couch when you got home from vertical, and Jesus walked in the door? I'm just like, you don't even have to be a Christian. Just think about this. Like, what would you do if the person of Jesus, historical person, if he walked in, even if you're not a Christian, you'd be like, I would ask him a few things, right? What would you do? Would you clean your room like me? I'm like, man, I should have cleaned it six weeks ago. Now's the time. He can't see this. This is embarrassing. (laughs) Some of you would go do the dishes, right? I I asked a group of people like what you would do. And one girl just happily was like, I'd bake cookies. I'm like, that's brilliant. Brilliant. Like who doesn't like cookies? Of course Jesus would want a cookie and some milk, maybe some bluebell. I don't know. Anyways, like I don't know what you would do. But all of us would kind of respond differently if Jesus just showed up. And what we're going to look at tonight in Luke 10 is legitimately, we're going to look at the way two people interact with Jesus as he just kind of shows up on the spot. He just shows up at this house. And so we're going to be in Luke 10. If you'll turn in your Bibles. We're going to be in verses 38 through 42. And it'll be on the screen behind me. This is what it says. Now, as they went on their way, pause, Jesus and his people, his squad, so to speak, uh, Jesus entered a village and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him, being Jesus, and she said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord, Jesus, answered, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. But one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken away from her. And so what I want to do tonight is I want to observe these two characters. I want to see what they did. And so let's just look first at Martha. If you want to keep looking at your Bible, what do we see that Martha does? In verse 38, a woman named Martha welcomed Jesus into her house. The first thing that we see is that Martha is welcoming. We're just going to observe what she does. She's hospitable. She's a sweet lady. I I call my mom Sweet Roberta. She's probably like Martha. Martha's a sweet lady. Or like your mother, sweet ladies. Goodness gracious. Martha is welcoming. That's the first thing we see. Second, we see in verse 40, but Martha was distracted. It's the second thing we see. Martha is distracted. Is she distracted with social media? She distracted with trying to approve or uh, trying to win the approval of all the villagers? that just saw her invite Jesus and and his crew into their house? Is she distracted with that stuff? Is she distracted with, you know, the future and, and her trying to build up her resume? No, no. What does it say in verse 40? But Martha was distracted with much serving. Martha was distracted with a good thing. Like when we think of service, we think that's good. 
And it is good. But Martha was distracted by it. So first we saw that she was welcoming. We see that she's distracted. And then we see her compare. She's comparing. Martha turns to Jesus. She says, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to serve alone? She starts to compare herself to her sister And she's trying to earn favor with God. She's trying to show, like, Jesus, look at what I'm doing, all these things that I'm doing for you. And my sister is just sitting there. She almost becomes condemning or accusatory. She's accusing her sister of doing wrong, and she's saying, I'm in the right. There's a hint of self-righteousness there. And there's, there's an accusation towards her sister. She's doing right. And her sister Mary is doing wrong. So Martha is welcoming, distracted, comparing. And then lastly, we see that Martha is anxious right here. The Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. These are the four things that describe Martha. She's anxious about many things. She's probably trying to prepare a meal, trying to go clean her room, make sure everything looks good for Jesus and the people. But this, this anxiety is, is really selfish. It, it, it's, it's, this service is selfish. She is serving to be seen. And it comes out in the way that she accuses her sister. She's saying, I'm in the right. Jesus, are you not going to rebuke Mary? Tell her to come and help me. Look at all this that I'm doing for you. And her busyness is causing her this anxiety. There's too much to do. She needs her sister to come help her. And Martha is anxious about the pressure that she is putting on herself. Jesus doesn't put the pressure of many things on us. We put it on ourselves. So Martha is described in these ways, many things. Her focus was many things. We saw that she was welcoming, distracted, comparing, and anxious. Now let's look at the second person, Mary. This one will be quick. There's not much about Mary in this story. Verse 39, Martha had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet. So the first thing we see about Mary, she sits. She sits. That's what it says she did. Mary in the Bible actually is known for always sitting. She's always falling at the feet of Jesus. She's at the feet of Jesus when she anoints Jesus. She's at the feet of Jesus when she, at the death of Lazarus. And at this moment, she's at the feet of Jesus. She's just sitting at the feet of Jesus. She's not very anxious. She's just sitting there. Next, we see she sits at the feet and listens to his teaching. Second thing she does, she listens. Y'all are like, this is like A, B, C, D. This is like elementary school. Yeah, Mary was listening. She's just sitting there listening. It's so simple. She isn't defensive when her sister accuses her. She just sits there and continues to listen to what Jesus has to say. And the last thing, what do we see? Is that she receives. Mary receives. In verse 42, one thing is necessary. That's what Mary has has chosen. The one necessary thing. And Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. So Mary receives, as she sits at the feet of Jesus, she receives this good portion which seems to be eternal in nature. It cannot be taken away from her. That's what the text says. It's this greatest possession because it can't be 
removed from her. And actually what I, what I want you to know is that this is an echo of the Old Testament. This good portion, like we would never use that in English today, right? We wouldn't be like, yeah, I received a good portion last week, right? No, you haven't said that ever in your entire life, okay? That's the reality. But what this is echoing is the Old Testament. The Old Testament used to talk about this good portion. And so Jesus was actually claiming to be God in this moment. And he was very well aware of scripture. And he was echoing very likely Psalm 16, which says this, if you'll turn in your Bibles. Psalm 16.5, I'll just read it to you. It's an amazing, one of the best Psalms. It says, the Lord is my chosen portion in my cup. That's what the psalmist says about the God. He's saying, God, my Lord, is my chosen portion in my cup. You hold my lot. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. So the same thing that Mary gets, this good portion, that's what the psalmist is saying comes with the portion. This beautiful inheritance. I will bless the Lord who gives me counsel. It comes with counsel. In the night also my heart instructs me. I have set the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I shall not be shaken. There's security in the good portion. Therefore, my heart is glad. There's joy. My whole being rejoices. That's amazing. That's what comes with the good portion. My flesh also dwells secure. Again, security. For we will not be abandoned. Our souls will not be abandoned to Sheol. Or the good portion will not let our Holy One see corruption. And then what else does it do? It makes known to you and to me, those that have the good portion, the person of God, Jesus, it makes known to us the path of life. In its presence, in the Lord's presence, there is fullness of joy and at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. This is what Mary receives as she does what? You laughed as I said it. She sits. And she listens. And she receives. So the question tonight, are you Martha? Or are you Mary? Write it down. Think about it. Is your life busy, busy, busy to try to earn favor with God? Or can your life be described as one that finds security in the good portion of sitting, listening, and receiving? I'd venture to say, more than the majority of the room, you and me tend to be Martha. We tend to be Martha in this story. And so what do we need to do? What do we need to take away because of what Jesus is saying in this story? It isn't good news if most of us are Martha's. So we need, to, we need to dig into this and figure out what, what do we need to take away. And, and what I want us to take away tonight is this. It's the simple fact that anything can distract you from the one thing. Anything can distract you from the one thing. What is the one thing? First, the one thing is Jesus. Verse 42, one thing is necessary. Mary chose it. Mary was the one who chose the one thing that was necessary. 
But the reason why I say anything can distract you from the one thing is because we don't always realize that even good can distract us from Jesus. Even our serving can distract us from Jesus. We know that relationships where we've put the other person as an idol, we know that's going to distract us from the person of Jesus. We know that when we try to uh, win over the approval of man and humans and we're trying to always please people, we know that's going to distract us from Jesus. But what I think Jesus is trying to show us is, hey, anything can distract you from me. That's what Jesus is saying. So again, are we Martha? Are we focused on many things? Although they might be good, maybe they're bad, I don't know. Are we like Martha in many things or are we like Mary? And we got the one thing down. That's the question I wanna ask. Are we busy with many things? Or do we have the one thing? Do we sit at his feet? Because this is what we tend to do. We tend to make blogs for Jesus, but we don't sit at his feet. We tend to play video games for hours, i.e. Fortnite, and we don't sit at his feet for a minute. We have a tendency to pray after intramural games. That's one of my personal favorites. But we don't sit at the feet of Jesus. We come to vertical, but we don't sit at the feet of Jesus. We scroll on social media for hours on end in a day, but we don't sit at the feet of Jesus. We have Bible studies. We lead them, but we don't even ourselves sit at the feet of Jesus. We go on mission trips, but we don't sit at the feet of Jesus. We waste Saturdays watching TV, but we don't sit at the feet of Jesus. A lot of us do action, action, action for God, but we don't give any attention to him. We do, 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 and we don't realize that this is all about what Christ has done. We're all Martha. We're busy performing when we need to pause and sit at his feet. We're distracted instead of being devoted. So what does Jesus say? He says, Martha, Martha, you're distracted with many things. So I want to tell you tonight, Jacob, Madison, Courtney, James, Matthew, Insert your own name. You're busy with many things. You're anxious about many things. You're troubled about many things. And you're missing the one thing. But I got some good news for you tonight. Elsewhere in scripture, in John 11, Jesus, it says that Jesus loved Martha and Mary. That's good news. Because all of us are condemned right now because we've all been in that place where we've been busy, busy, busy and missed the person of Jesus. But the good news is Jesus loved Martha and Mary. Jesus loved all of us enough to come and die on our behalf because our distractions lead us to sin. And sin deserves death. And he took on the penalty of death that we deserved He died it, 
he rose from the grave in defeat of death so that we might have life. And you're like, wait a second. What? I hear this all the time. Yes, of course, all this stuff. But what you need to know is, is that we have missed that fact because we've been trying to work our way so that he'll love us. And I'm trying to tell you, Jesus already loves you, Martha. He's just trying to show you where you really find life, which is in himself. And it's so sweet that this echoes Psalm 16. Because it shows us that when we rest and sit at the feet of Jesus, when we have relationship with Jesus, when we have the one thing that's necessary, that Mary actually gets right. When we have that one thing, we, when we get Jesus, it's the good portion. We get joy. We have security. We have, we have pleasures forevermore at his right hand. These are good things. These are all things we want. These are all the very things that we want in life. We want fullness of joy. And Jesus is saying, when you sit at my feet and you receive me and you know me and you have relationship with me, you will get that good portion. And so he's rebuking Martha very kindly. He's just reminding her, hey, it's not all about what you do. Again, it's about Jesus. Such a sweet and subtle reminder. And you're like, Dale, you talk about this every week. Yeah. Because last week, I asked the question, if you died tomorrow, how confident would you be if you stood before God? And he said, On scale of one to 10, how confident would you be that he would let you in? And almost everyone wasn't a 10. Because most of us think it's about our good, 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 good. We haven't been that bad. In fact, I'd venture to say that for the last 18 years, for the first 18 years of your life, you were taught that Christianity is about not drinking, not sleeping with people, and going to church on Sunday. And I'm trying to deconstruct that, that it's a do, 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 or don't, 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 when it's all about what Jesus has done. You were taught that for 18 years. That's why so many people say, college is so formative. It's when your faith becomes your own. I would venture to say it's because most of you show up to places and you realize, I can't work anymore. I can't stop I'm never going to be good enough. I'm never going to be enough to, to just say simply not do things or do good things and kind things. That's not life. I can't find life in that. You're never going to find life in the work that you're trying to do for God himself. Why? Martha, because we're sinners. This is all, it's all fleeting. We can't work enough. You cannot work enough to get yourself to heaven unless you're perfect. That's the only way you can get in. You're either perfect or you know Jesus who is perfect on your behalf. That's how you're a 10. That's how we can leave here and rest in the good news of what Jesus has done on our behalf. That's why college is so formative. Because you're away from a lot of the things you were taught. A lot of good things. Biblical things even. But I think most of us growing up missed 
the one thing that was necessary, which was Christ himself. And so what? What do we do about this? Let me warn you, your first impulse tonight will will be to go and change your life and your schedule, which is ironic because this is all about going to Jesus. But you will have a tendency to leave here and be like, I got to, I got to, Fix, 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 and do, 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 do. And I just told you it was all about Jesus. And so the movement here, the application is to be like Mary. What did Mary do? She sat, she listened, and she received. She sat, she listened, she received. That's the simple application I have for you tonight in light of this passage. What does that look like today? Pause read, pray. But I say that even hesitantly because some of you are just going to go read, read, read and miss the fact that this is all about relationship. I do think the Bible is the very words of God that remind us of the fact that we need a relationship with Jesus. So I do confidently say, hey, pause, read, pray, spend time at the feet of Jesus. And I think most of us don't realize that that can be fun. That can be good. Remember that good portion in your presence, there is fullness of joy. We don't see spending time with Jesus like that. We don't see opening up our Bibles and it's like, oh, in this, in the presence of God's word, there's just so much pleasure and joy. It's grueling. But I want to warn you of something. In almost everything in life, discipline precedes desire. So when I ask you to pray, to to sit and listen at the feet of Jesus, or pause, read, and listen, and read God's word, and pray, all these different things that all mean the same thing that are meant to point us to having a relationship with Jesus, what I'm trying to tell you is over time, this thing will change your life and it will be the sweetest time you have each and every day. But most of us don't love it and I think that's okay. I think you need to have an honest conversation with God and just say, God, would you change my heart? I can't change my desires. I need, I need something bigger than my self-discipline and my accountability I need you, God, to move and change my heart, to want and love you more, to spend time with you like Mary. Seems shallow and simple to say, read your Bible and pray more. But honestly, this is good news because let's just take a step back. It's freezing cold outside. (laughs) It's pouring down rain. You failed the test in the last two or three weeks. Somebody that you live with or one of your friends is going through something very challenging that you can't even keep up with all the details as they come each and every week. There seems like there's actually too much for you to do each and every day. So when I say, hey, sit and listen to Jesus, read and pray, spend time with God, and it sounds simple and you're like, this is a really simple application. Hey, that's good news because there's a lot of other stuff going on. When stuff's hitting the fan, 
If the only thing you have to do on your to-do list today is spend time at the feet of Jesus, that's kind of relieving. That's relieving. It's like this. I'll illustrate it this way. It's almost like you're a prisoner in a prison in Huntsville. Let's just say Huntsville. Let's pick on Huntsville. Most of you don't know where Huntsville is, but that's okay. It's like a prison town. You get it. Um, so it'd be like you're a, you're a prisoner in Huntsville, and tomorrow you've been sentenced to die. You're on death row. And so this is your last night on earth. And you're like, oh my gosh, I got to write my family. I got to write all those people that I've always wanted to tell, you know, how much I love them. Or, you know, I've always wanted to tell this person I hate them and I'm going to be dead tomorrow. So I'll send them this too. You're, you're writing all these letters, all these letters that you've always wanted to write. And you're going to send them to all these people you love. And as you're writing these letters, the prison guard comes in and he goes, hey, you've been pardoned. And you, being the prisoner, says, no, 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 hey, I don't have time. This is my last night. This is it. I'm going to, I got to write all these people. Will you not bother me? Please. And so he leaves. And and you're still writing over here. And then he comes back. He's like, hey, I just want you to know, like, you've been pardoned. You can leave. You're free to go. And you're still sitting there at, at, at your desk. I'm assuming prisoners have desks. And you're just sitting there and you're like, I have to write. I have to tell all these people how much I love them and all these things that I've learned. And you only have, you only have one more day. You know, again, you're, you're going to die tomorrow. And, and, but you're missing out on the reality that you're free. We're focused on many things. Right? They're so important. But we miss the main thing. You can go. You're free. But we get so distracted with a lot of good things. Our service. Our care of our friends which can all be good things. Again, we even get distracted with bad things, social media, relationships, this, even trying to win the approval of our parents. All that stuff can be distracting to the main thing, the one thing, the person of Jesus. One of the best illustrations I've ever heard, I'll close with this, of somebody missing the main thing but being busy with many things is the story of a man by the name of Phil Vischer. Most of you don't know who Phil Vischer is, but what you might know is is what he created in this life. He created uh, one of the most well-known animated shows Christianity has ever known. He single-handedly created the character Bob the Tomato and Larry the Cucumber. Yeah, Some of you can sing along with me if I were to say, oh, where is my hairbrush? Exactly. Phil Vischer created that. He is the animator behind what is known as VeggieTales. If you have no idea what I've talked about, don't worry about it. Just know that this guy created these animated shows to tell people about things in the Bible. And Through a weird series of events, he ends up becoming bankrupt and he takes some time away from from his career. 
And so as he takes a step back, he realizes something. And when he comes back, he's interviewed and he says these words. They're gonna be on the screen behind me. I want you to read it with me. Again, the man behind VeggieTales, what you probably grew up with (laughs) based on your response to my song. This is what he said. He said, I look back at the previous 10 years and I realized I had spent 10 years trying to convince kids to behave Christianly without actually teaching them Christianity. And that was a pretty serious conviction. You can say, hey kids, be more forgiving because the Bible says so. Or hey kids, be more kind because the Bible says so. But that isn't Christianity. It's morality. He went on to say later in the article, we're drinking a cocktail that's a mixture of the Protestant work ethic, the American dream and the gospel. And we've intertwined them so completely that we can't tell them apart anymore. Our gospel has become a gospel of following your dreams and being good so God will make all your dreams come true. It's the Oprah God. So I had to peel that apart. I realized I'm not supposed to be pursuing impact. I'm supposed to be pursuing God. And when I pursue God, I will have exactly as much impact as he wants me to have. That has been echoing in my mind. I'm not supposed to be pursuing impact. I'm supposed to be pursuing God. He looks back on Veggie Tales, which you all sang with me. And he says, I missed it. Many things, although they were good things. I miss the main thing. The person of Jesus. I was distracted with good things. But I missed the one thing. If this room were to sit at the feet of Jesus each and every day this room would change the world. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for loving us. Thank you for loving both Martha and Mary. Thank you for something simple because life is absolutely crazy sometimes. Thank you for just the simple truth that we can sit, listen, and receive. Lord, I repent, even from today, of trying to work, 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 and missing missing the fact that it's just about the one thing. And although sitting at your feet is what changes the way that we live, yes, Lord, I I ask for forgiveness for all the times that I've been distracted even with good things. Lord, would you forgive all of us? And would you show us the good portion? Help us to live with you. May you increase in our lives and may we decrease, Lord. That is my prayer. Would it be 
about what, may our lives be about what you have done on our behalf and not about what we do to try to earn your favor and your love when you've already shown us your love through your son, Jesus, dying on the cross on our behalf. Father, thank you for sending your son for us. We praise you. Would you help us to sit at your feet? We pray all this in your son Jesus' name. Amen.